Thank you, Aaron. It is good to be reminded of the greatness of the Lord, and uh, it is also good for me to be reminded of uh, how much my brain doesn't work sometimes. So the opening line of that psalm psalm is basically translated, uh, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, my brain holds in it quite clearly the melody of a song from like 1989. Was it a Sandy Patty song? Some of you, yeah, okay, some of you are singing it in your heads. If you've never heard it, it's fine. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hurt you with it. Um, but, <laughs> one person hiding. No, I'm not gonna do that. I've done that before. I'll only sing choir songs from my junior high years. I won't sing old Sandy Patty songs that my mom perhaps may have sang back in the day. But, um, what's interesting about that is that I, I like to think of myself as at least an average person of average intelligence, and yet my brain holds on to the complete melody of "Oh Lord, how Lord, you have majestic is your name on all the earth," and I can't remember where my keys are. Like this is so. Anytime you find yourself struggling with like uh, humility or becoming prideful, just remember how your brain stores things that you don't need, and that's important for us because we are in a series on wisdom and. Um, and uh, we're, we're, we're going to be in Proverbs 1 today. That's where we're going to be hanging out if you want to look that up. And, and the reason why we're doing an, a series on wisdom is because it's so needed. Because our brains hold on to melodies from songs from the 80s and they don't hold on to information that we really need to get through the day. And for all of our sophistication in terms of technology, in terms of science, in terms of uh, so many advancements that are happening faster than we can adjust to, we still find ourselves struggling with how do we treat people? What is a thing that's worth arguing about and what is a thing that's not worth arguing about? How do we stop people from being mean to each other online? These are the really basic things that for all our sophistication, we haven't figured out how to deal with. And last week, and this week we're going to be talking about what does wisdom do? Um, Last week we talked about how the purpose of wisdom, what wisdom is for, is to align our conduct with the intentions of God in order to demonstrate his goodness and his glory to a world that he is making new, which is probably my overly wordy statement of uh, that wisdom is for doing what God designed us to do in order to demonstrate his glory to the world. Like, and the, and this is interesting, and I want to, really ingrain that in a little bit deeper because if you go to the mountains this weekend, if you had gone to the mountains this weekend, you would be in awe. You would be like, wow, this is huge and amazing. And I am a small uh, person on this amazing planet that has been built. And if you are a person of faith, then you are reminded of the greatness of God. If you're a person who doesn't have faith, you're still made small. And a mountain does that just by being. Just by virtue of what it is and, and, and its existence, it reminds us and demonstrates to the world the glory of God. We are not as, as, as magnificent as mountains. And the way that we do that thing is by ordering our lives in such a way that we live the way our creators intended us to live. That's how people look at us and say, like, whoa, that person has it together. That person really handled that complex situation really well. That person somehow manages to navigate a confu- navigate having people distrust them and dislike them with, with, with some sort of, of skill and love for other human beings. What, what, what is going on there? 
And, and what's a, the reason why I started with that last week is because it changes our starting point. If I um, put into Google Maps that I wanted to get to uh, Ikea, um, why not? Um, so I want to go to Ikea, which is in South Edmonton Common. It's going to, to take me to a certain point, place. But one of the things that you can do with, uh, one of the things that you can do with, uh, Google Maps is you can change your starting position. So if I want to know how to get to, from my house to Ikea, it's going to be different than if I want to get from the church to Ikea. Not that much different because they're pretty much a straight line south. But you can understand what I'm talking about. Our starting point changes the directions of how we get to our destination. So if we understand that our destination is living properly and well in light of what God has called us to be, it changes our starting point if we understand that the purpose of wisdom is to demonstrate who God is to the world. Um, but where we want, what we want to look at today is what does wisdom do? What kinds of things is wisdom concerned with? And if we see wisdom, what does it look like? Okay? And that's a really important thing for us to grasp. That's a really important question for us to ask because it's, it's very easy for intelligent and mature people to get distracted by nonsense that doesn't matter. I wish I had to work harder to find an example than looking at what happened in our parliament this week. If you don't know what's happening in our parliament this week, good. You're in a better position than most of us. But in our parliament this week, there was a situation where all parties involved behaved foolishly and made themselves look like complete morons, you know, both in... Uh, a situation where, where where people were interfering with other people's paths, and then our prime minister tried to tried to fix that badly, and then everybody freaked out about it, and everybody looked dumb. And these are a group of intelligent people that have run for public office and have had numerous other people agree that, like, yes, you're a smart person that should have responsibility. And yet all of these smart people that have responsibility just turn themselves into morons this week, Okay. This is a group of adults who are spending work time working on real issues, that, that, that the major problems that we have to solve in this country, and they're arguing about who elbowed whom accidentally, right? But So we can understand how smart people get distracted by these things. And this doesn't just happen in Parliament. It also happens in churches. I once talked to another pastor who, who genuinely... Uh, was interested in telling me about how his church had had a two-year conversation about whether or not babies should receive communion. I, I didn't even know how to respond to him because I'm just like, this. we have a real world to reach with real problems, and you're spending two years of your leadership's time arguing about whether or not babies should receive communion? Like, we just have important things to discuss, and, 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 and we have important things to do, and we're not, we shouldn't waste our time talking about nonsense. And this is actually one of the reasons, at that moment, I felt very good about our church, and one of the reasons why I love you guys, because I honestly believe that if I had have showed up to either the congregation or the elders and was like, so, I want to have a conversation about whether babies should have communion, it should take about two years, I think you guys would just be like, no. No, we're not going to discuss that. That you can do that on your own time. Um, 
But our time is obviously more important than yours. Um, so I love you guys. So we're going to look at this um, through uh, Proverbs chapter 1. And, uh, and this is a, a reasonably familiar p- passage, but I'm just going to read it first. And then I'm going to Bible studies nerd out on it for a little bit. So this is uh, Proverbs chapter 1. And it's uh, the instructions of, of Solomon. Uh, and then it, it, it starts off. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight... For receiving, receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this is the collection of collected writings of Solomon, and this is what they are for. Now, um, as we look at this, I think uh, I'm going to nerd out a little bit on the Bible study stuff, because uh, there's something that's really going to help us discern this, and it's actually going to help you guys in the future um, uh, as you look at Proverbs. And and what we're seeing in this passage is a... Is, uh, a poetic device called parallelism. And basically parallelism is a poetic device in which the second line relates in some way to the first. That's a blanket statement, okay? So there's two lines. They have something to do with each other. That's a parallelism. And that's used all over the Old Testament. It's used all over the New Testament. It's the, it's the, uh, and, and now that I point them out to you, you're not going to be able to stop seeing them all over the Bible as you read through them. That's a, a really good thing because it's a, a poetic device that's used consistently throughout s- scriptures to further explain ideas to us. And, and I mean, and, and as somebody, I like this as somebody who's interested in literature, but I'm also, uh, this causes me to worship God more because God's inspired word is filled with poetic devices that survive translation. Okay? So, basically, um, my favorite form of poetry, my favorite way that poetry is written, because I'm uh, very immature, is the limerick. I think that, that to write a very good limerick is one of the hardest things in the world to do. Um, my favorite lim- limerick is, there once was a man from Jakutami who was kind enough to lend his canoe to me. I paddled around, then fell out and drowned because canoeing was new to me. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I didn't write that, but it is so that's but you can understand how that works. Now, if we tra- if we translated that limerick to another language, it's not funny anymore. The words don't rhyme, the rhythm is off. It doesn't work anymore. There's nothing interesting or funny about that limerick. It only works in English. But I'm fascinated by the fact that God's poetic devices still work despite translation. And that's a beautiful thing that we have. So there's three different kinds of uh, parallelism. There's synonymous parallelism, which is the second line repeats the idea of the first. There's synthetic parallelism, which is the second line adds to the idea of the first. And there's antithetic parallelism, which is the second line contrasts the idea of the first. Okay? Now, um, there are perhaps more, depending on whose PhD thesis you happen to read. We don't need to go into that. I personally believe that they're all just building off these, So, but whatever. Um, 
these are the three ones that you need to know. Um, and in this, uh, there, there are others, but, but we're, we're not going to go too deep into the biblical studies nerdery. But in this passage, you're going to see all three varieties of, of parallelism, and, you're, and they're going to help us understand the depth of the passage and what wisdom actually does and looks like, okay? So uh, let's, let's get started. Okay, so for gaining wisdom and instruction... For understanding words of insight. So that's just a synonymous parallelism, right? It's the same idea. Second one repeats the idea of the first, okay? For understanding words of insight, for gaining wisdom and instruction, okay? So not a whole lot extra going on there other than to reinforce that this is what we're talking about. Just in case anyone was confused, we're talking about what what wisdom is for. Okay, now we're... St- oh, whoa. instruction. Whoops. Oh, okay. So I missed one. So, okay. So that's okay. Uh, next line for receiving instruction in prudent behavior is the original translation that we were using doing what is right and just and fair. Now this is interesting because this is a synthetic parallelism. The second one adds to the idea of the first. Okay. So the first idea is for receiving instruction in what is translated prudent behavior in Hebrew. It's, uh, it's, uh, uh, I'm trying to pronounce it properly, but it's hash. Hashkar, kind of. I got that wrong. But anyway. And basically, what the word means, it's often translated as prudence, but it's wisdom with a behavioral component added to it. It's that wisdom in actions. Wisdom not just in like, I understand things in an intellectual basis, but wisdom in the way that that is lived out. Lived wisdom. And what's fascinating about this synthetic parallelism is it describes to us what wise living looks like and wise living in in the mind of Solomon and in the inspired word of God is doing what is right and just and fair. Now, that's really interesting for us as we look at what wisdom is, because already we're starting to diverge from our collective received uh, ideas of what wisdom and wise living are from the world. Because what is wise, living wisely and wise behavior, is not what is easy, and it's not what most benefits me and those closest to me. Wisdom is doing what is right and just and fair. And there is time, there are times when what is right and just and fair is popular and easy and good and everyone recognizes it. But we all know that there are other times when what is right and just and fair is difficult and unpopular. And as much as we all understand that intellectually and have that ingrained deep in our hearts, it's still difficult for us to find. But, but when I say this, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, okay? And there's something in our hearts that longs for this and yet knows that it's missing. This is why some of the most popular um, plays and stories in our culture are of one human being standing up in an unpopular way for what is fair, even though everyone around it believes that, that they should just shut up and go away. This is why 12 Angry Men is still a popular play. This is why To Kill a Mockingbird is still a popular novel. This is why so many of the movies that we see are about 
that one person standing up and for injustice and even even Harry Potter one of the most one of the major themes that carries over from all the books is at one point where the main character Dumbledore says the time has come when we will have to choose between what is right and what is easy it's not just a theme in Harry Potter that's a theme for all of us We will have to choose between what is right and what is easy. And for those of us who follow Jesus and take the Bible seriously, the decision is simple and is made for us. We do what is right because not only is it right, it is also wise behavior. It might put us contrast to the popular whims of the world. It might put us... uh, opposite what will benefit us in the short term but true wisdom and wise and prudent behavior is doing what is right and just and fair that's very important for us to recognize we continue with the next parallelism forgiving prudence to those who are simple knowledge and discretion to the young uh and this is attached to the second one. So this is interesting because we... Okay, second one is for understanding Proverbs and parallels, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So this is two sets. Okay, so the first one is a synonymous parallelism. Second line repeats the idea of the first. The second one here for understanding Proverbs and parallels, the sayings and riddles of the wise, that's also a synonymous parallelism. Two ideas repeating the same thing. But when you put them together you get a synthetic parallelism because now this second couplet explains to us what the first couplet is, okay? So let the wise listen to their learning. Let the discerning get their guidance. Where do they get it? Understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Now, this is incredibly important, okay? And the reason why this is incredibly important is that people who are wise don't just already have it all locked into their brains and are like, well, I'm done. I've got all of the wisdom that I'm ever going to need finished over here. Wise people are continually looking for more wisdom. They're continually going back to the Bible, to other wise writings, to have their thoughts and minds clarified because we're taking in so much information all the time. This is especially applicable in our world. We're all taking in so much information all the time from our phones and from our news and from flashing signs and all of this that it's we get so much nonsense in our heads. We need wisdom to pull that nonsense out and remind us of what is true and right and good and fair. And the way that we do that is by reading God's word, by reading other wise writers that push us in a certain direction, by paying attention to the Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Okay, and the reason why this is so important is is that, so let's go back to our situation in Parliament this week, which everyone was all dumb in. But let's look at um, specifically the way that our prime minister was dumb. He saw a dumb thing happen, and he put himself into the middle of that dumb situation to try and fix the dumb situation without understanding that getting into that middle of that dumb situation was only going to make him dumber, you know? And, and if he had of listen, and, 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 and the reason why I say that is because there's an old saying that I'm sure existed everywhere, but I remember hearing it on PEI as a kid, that you don't wrestle with a pig because you just get dirty and the pig likes it, right? 
And if someone had have turned in wisdom to, to our prime minister at that point in time and said, there's no good for you to get involved in, or even quoted scripture, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will become just like him, which is exa- essentially the same thing phrased differently, he might have gone like, fine, I'll just sit down and let them all look foolish, and I'm not going to look foolish in the midst of this, right? So we constantly accumulate wisdom, and wisdom is important for us to hold on to. The wise person does not stop, but continues to absorb wisdom. This is essential for me, um, because I just get, I just take in so much stuff, and I get confused, but when I read Scripture especially, but when I read really good writers like C.S. Lewis or G.K. Chesterton, or, you know, uh, there's some contemporary ones as well that are alluding, uh, that are alluding me right now, I find myself going like, ah, oh. it's like, it's like taking a cold drink of water on a cold, on a hot day, and you're like, wait a minute, right. There's so much nonsense in the world. But I also want to go back and focus on this as well. For giving prudence to those who are simple and knowledge and discretion to the young. This is important because what this reminds us of is that wisdom is not the domain of the intelligentsia or the, uh, or the educated classes. Wisdom is available and, in fact, almost better used by, uh, by plain folk in plain language, and it's available to the young as well. This is really important because in our culture specifically and in our society, we have a proliferation of experts and consultants and lots of people who want to make money telling you that you know more, they know more than you do, right? And, and we need to be able to understand that, like, wait a minute, that, that wisdom isn't just for this select group of academic elites who live in some sort of separate area over there. This is for all of us. This is for everyone. And, and I have wisdom to learn from somebody with a PhD. I have wisdom to learn from somebody who has not graduated high school. We have wisdom to learn from people who have learned, who have lived all kinds of lives and, 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 and are, and, and experts. And I use that word as with as much derogatory tone as I possibly can. Don't have anything to offer us that we can't find ourselves. I get very frustrated in what I know as the church is that there is now rising within evangelical subculture a consultant class of consultants that will come in and work with our church for $1,200 for the weekend and tell us a bunch of stuff that doesn't work thinking that we don't know what God is doing on our own, that we can't discern from the Bible and the working of the Holy Spirit that w- what God is doing in our midst. Sorry, I'm just very frustrated by that. One, because they're liars, and two, because I'd like that $1,200. Um, but this is the key, and this is the, w- w- the entire passage rises to this complex uh, to, it's, uh, sorry, rises to this co- climax, which is, in, in contrast to everything that we've seen before, this is an antithetical parallelism, where the second line is the opposite of the first line, okay? And it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The second is contrasted, uh, the second line contrasts the starting point. And the starting point recognize, the starting point is that the source of wisdom is to recognize that there is an all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing force in the universe, and it is not me. That is the starting point of all wisdom. Wisdom, understanding how to operate and do what is right and just and fair in this world, 
begins with humility and an awareness of our own smallness in the universe. That's why God created mountains. That's why God created oceans. That's why God created prairie skies. Because these things are intended to remind us how small we are. But that in the midst of that, our actions matter. We matter as people. The way that we treat people matters. And there is a standard of behavior as we relate to ourselves and to other people that we must adhere to rather than creating our own standard as we go along. And, or, or, or a standard that we create on our own. This is absolutely essential. There's a humility that comes in Christianity where we say, wait a minute, wisdom doesn't start with what we want. Wisdom starts with what God wants. Now, there's something within us that rebels against that. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. But, uh, but, but there's something in us that says, like, wait a minute, I want the world to be the way that I want it to be. But we see how foolishness works, that the fool rejects that idea, and we understand that because it's in an antithetical place to the line previously, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fool loves not knowing things. The fool loves to reject that there is a God who is sovereign over this universe and place themselves as the sole arbiter of what is good and just and wise in this universe. The fool is, the, the, the foolish person loves to be deliberately ignorant, but also loves to have their deliberate ignorance masquerade itself as wisdom. And this is where the experts come in. Because there's a writer that I love uh, uh, named Aldous Huxley, not a Christian, but, but wrote some amazing things and I think is a clear thinker and even a clear thinker about his own motivation. And he, and he wrote in, uh, in his book, Ends and Means, about he was part of the forerunners of the movement in the 1950s and 60s to say that life was entirely meaningless. It wasn't new. It's gone back to Ecclesiastes and earlier. But, but their entire philosophy was built on nihilism, that the way in, that we behave in the world and with each other is irrelevant and doesn't matter. There is no moral standard. That, that influence then becomes postmodernism in the 90s, and that's all boring. But this is what Aldous Huxley said about his own motivations. The philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned exclusively with a problem in pure metaphysics. He is also concerned to prove that there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to do, okay? So it's not just about a philosophical issue. It's about demonstrating that, like, I have a life that I want to live the way I want to without being encumbered by some sort of moral standards. He continues, For myself, as no doubt for most of my friends, the philosophy of meaningless was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality, we objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. The supporters of this system claimed that it embodied the meaning, the Christian meaning they insisted of the world. There was one admirably simple method of confuting these people and justifying ourselves in erotic revolt. We would deny that the world had any meaning whatsoever. Right? And the, the fool has said, I don't want to live by that standard, so I'm rejecting that starting point of knowledge, and I'm going to create all, my whole own standard. And not only that, I'm going to write a 40,000-page dissertation on why the world has no meaning, therefore I can do with my penis what I want to when I want to. Right? 
all of a sudden the world gets all twisted up on its head. And rather than aligning ourselves with what God has created us to be and what our starting point is, rather than, than living lives that are good and just and doing what is just and right and fair, we find ourselves confronted rather with the question of like, I want to do what I want to do. How do I make a system that will allow me to do that? So what, and contrary to the fact that all internal evidence that we have, whether you're a Christian or not, the way that you live and the way that you interact with other people tells you that life has meaning. The wisdom that we've gained over the last thousands and thousands of years of human history tells us that life has meaning. We will deny that because that's contrary to to the way that we want to live our lives. So what does wisdom do? Well, wisdom begins with the supremacy of the Lord. It says there is a standard and a way in which we ought to live in this world. There is an all-knowing force and a way that this world was designed, and it is not me. God is sovereign over this world. I am not. Therefore, I must align myself to that. And we do this most of the time. Most of us recognize the fact that we are subject to the laws of gravity, but somehow we think that other things don't apply in the same way. It listens to and weighs received wisdom. So we have an entire bank of wisdom from from the book that God inspired, from the Bible, from writers, from aphorisms, from collected wisdom. We listen to and we weigh those things. We, 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 We are constantly looking for more wisdom so that we can discern the best ways to go about this world in which we live. But the outcome of what wisdom does is that we do what is right and what is just and what is fair. Okay. And that is, a, that is the next layer before we begin to apply doing what is right and just and fair to the way we talk about money and economics, to the way that we talk about power and politics, to the way that we talk about uh, human relations and sexuality, between the ways that we talk about family and work and vocation. All of that comes from the starting point of like, okay, God is sovereign over this world and we're going to do what is right and just and fair. And I want to remind us again that just as a mountain expresses the glory of God by being huge and massive and majestic, just as the ocean expresses the glory of God by being dangerous and wild and massive, we, in the same way, demonstrate the glory of God by living our lives the way that God has intended for us to live them. This is what Peter says in First Peter 2. He says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is an evangelization plan. Because in order for people to hear the good news, they need to see it working in your lives. That's the way that God has designed this thing to work. So even as we go forward today and as we sing songs, I would like us to reinforce for ourselves and have ourselves reoriented again to the fact that, wait a minute, God is sovereign over this world. And the fear of the Lord is going to be the beginning of my knowledge. And as I go through all of the complex things that I have to deal with this week on a day-to-day basis at your workplace, with your family, with your friends, with all of the stuff that you come from, ask yourself the question, in light of God creating this universe, what in this situation is right and just and fair and what will ultimately cause people to glorify God in the day that he visits us? Let's pray. God. 
we are thankful that you are in charge of this world because we've seen the things of which we are in charge and they don't work so well. We've seen the things that, that, that we lay our own hands on and try to control and, and, and we end up crumbling them and breaking them and doing damage. And so God, we ask that, that you would help us to turn our hearts and our minds toward you, that we would do nothing until we are confident and clear on the idea that, that, that you are the beginning of all knowledge, that we recognize that you are in charge of this world and every breath that we take is a gift. And from there, we would begin to recognize that our lives matter deeply because of what you are doing in this world. We ask that as we sing songs and meet at your table, that you would make this clear in our minds and our hearts again. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.